welcome to another Bradley Basics podcast. I'm here with Paul Hall, backed by popular demand. Um, you know, how you doing, Paul? <laughs> doing Thanks good, for Sean. making it up here, buddy. Uh, yeah, from Paul and I's podcast, if you remember, he's uh, my financial advisor and uh, kind of during the pandemic we got together, I think uh, I think God put us together uh, for a reason. We've become uh, really good friends and and I'm finding out what a great father that he is. He's got three kids, uh, very active. He's a coach, uh, um, very active in his community. And, and kind of to uh, continue my fatherhood theme, which is becoming pretty impactful, uh, we're going to talk about young fatherhood and, and actually, uh, you know, business owner as well. So how you doing, Paul? Doing so good, Sean. Glad to be here. Good to see you again. That's cool. That's cool. So, yeah, well, I, I you know, I think people have listened to your last podcast. They could probably go back there and look at your um, introduction. But uh, let's talk about your coaching. Like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, I went to your soccer game mm-hmm. and uh, great coaching job. Um, it was, uh, it was impressive. That was, a, that was a big tournament. I liked how you interact with the kids and you guys were all, I, I could tell that that team was well coached because everybody, uh, when things got a little testy in the game, everybody stuck to their guns, stuck to the game plan, and you guys, I think, ended up squeaking out one nothing. Or you tied? I, I can't remember what the score was. I think we did tie the game that you you watched that weekend. We had it was a four game tournament. We had three wins and one tie. Yeah, there's that kid that I saw on the other team, man. He was quick. That number six. He had the glasses going. He, I mean, the kid had wheels. He that, did. That kid had wheels. We we shut him down as much <laughs> as we could. Yeah, the kid had some wheels. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. So coaching, I I love coaching. Uh, It's probably my favorite thing to do. I wasn't too excited about it when the kids were little um, because I guess I didn't really realize what it would do for me and do for the children and and respect do do for their community and the parents. Mm -hmm. So I'm addicted to all of it. Um, What I like most about coaching, at least from the way I do it, is how happy it makes the children. Okay. Um, Like what do you mean by that? If if you – in my experience – when I started to coach, I guess, okay, my son is, he was born in 2014, right around five years old is when all the teams started to get together. And that's right where the pandemic kind of came about. Oh, okay. So all That's of, your oldest son? Yes. So all of school was shut down, if you can remember that. Right, right. And the kids weren't really allowed to do anything. And then they, they, everyone was scrambling to see how we can handle this thing the right way. And, you know, kids had to wear masks outside and whatnot, which we, we all figured out. Uh, there was really no problems with that end of it. Uh, but when the kids were coming out, they would show up, you know, half hour early. They were so excited. They've been cooped up all day. Um, so it was their outlet. And to, to some degree, too, it was the parents' outlet. They're all trying to figure out how to, how to navigate through that brand new lifestyle. Um, so, so that's your soccer team you're talking about? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I coach my boys' soccer team. Mm-hmm. I have two boys. Uh, they are eight and seven. My seven-year-old plays up on my soccer team. And I also coach their baseball team. Seven-year-old also plays up on the baseball team too. And then I got the tap on the shoulder from the town to head coach the eight-year-old all-star team in oh, baseball, yeah. baseball this yeah. summer too. So that was um, that was a wonderful experience too. The, the, the baseball, I'm more of a soccer family. Mm-hmm. Um but I do believe baseball is such a healthy sport for kids to play. Because oh, yeah? Why is that? I, I, it's a game of failure when you, when you think about it. The, the best hitters in baseball bat 300, right? I don't, I don't know what the, the stats yeah, are. Yeah, so one out of three or 
Yeah, so two out of three times you're failing. So it takes an unbelievable amount of mental strength as a child to get through that concept. Uh, and then they want to hit a home run every single, every single at bat. And sometimes they strike out three times a game. And that's not a bad thing, at least in baseball. Baseball, even though it's a team sport, though, you're, you're on stage at every single moment. You can't hide in the field. You know, if you have an error, they, people see it. Yeah. Um, and the kids know it. You know, they, they might not be able to express it verbally, but reading their emotions at this age, six, seven, eight-year-olds, I mean, they, they wear that on their, on their sleeve. Yeah, I think that's, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I tried to play baseball when I was younger, but I, I was out in the field and, you know, just no ball ever really came to me. I, I'd get all ready and, and I think my dad was up and he actually called me out. I was like, what? you know, I struck out. I was like, what is this, you know? And then, but, you know, I could tell there was a little bit of a hierarchy, like the coaches, uh, kids were like, you know, the, you know, they were the catcher and the first baseman, you know, where all the action was. But I think to your point, you're exactly right. One of the guys, one of the guys that I became friends with at, at Michigan State, this guy, Scotty Ward, and he played at Michigan State. He was a hell of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Probably the best athlete I've ever been around. Good at darts, pool, tennis, golf, but he played baseball. Mm-hmm. And he was like, um, I actually, one of these other guys that I'm friends with, um, Tom Miller was from the same town and they, and I told him I knew him and, and, and Tom Miller's like, oh, that kid was the best, he was the best athlete in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. that kid, you know? So I, I think to your point at baseball is, um, yeah, there's some serious athletes in baseball. You know, you being a hockey player myself, you're like, ah, whatever. But like, yeah, like you just look back and there's a lot of guys that, that are legit. Well, it, it, it's, it's such a tough sport. You do def, you definitely remember who was good and who was bad at it. And if you think about it, when you, to your point, mm-hmm. the game is boring. That's for sure. Especially at this age, if you're in the outfield, you get stuck in the outfield if you're not that great. Um, yeah, so I guess it wasn't that great. No, nah, I didn't mean to say that. So, you get I only played one year. I said, that's it. I'm done. If, if, if you think about if you get I one. I soccer, though. Oh, there you go. If you get one ball that gets hit to you, it could be the only shot of the whole game. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do well with it, and then you come back home and you're sitting down with mom and dad and you're trying to discuss your only opportunity. And if you failed, I, I think that's a healthy thing for a child to go through. Um, so I, I do like the amount of failure in baseball. I feel like every single kid should go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good test of life. Well, when you see when you see a, a young 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 uh, young child go through that type of failure stuff, like how, how, that's where the coaching comes in, right? Yeah. How you get them to overcome it, understand it, and do you see a growth there when you're doing that? Oh, big time. Um, at this age, it's very little skill, 95% confidence and understanding that you're going to do good and bad. Uh, and back, also, what you, I want to touch on what you just said. I just thought of it. You know, having, being a, having a son play, two sons, and being a coach, I'm extremely careful of favoritism because mm-hmm. parents and kids can smell that real quick. Mm-hmm. Again, they, they, they might be, not be able to articulate it, but they know what's going on. Yeah, it's not fair. Lack of fairness. So, so my my boys are average baseball players. They're good soccer players, but they're average baseball players. And I was going through, um, I guess you could call it an argument, because my son was screaming at me almost every night during the All Star team. He got voted in. I told him you should be proud of yourself becoming an All Star. But my son was playing the outfield, and he wanted to play the infield. You don't get a lot of action at this stage. The boys don't hit it out there. Just couldn't be any more brutally honest with my, my boy that there are six other kids who deserve to play in the infield and that's where they're going to play mm-hmm. and you're going to work hard and maybe you'll get there maybe you won't but you enjoy the process you enjoy being an all-star uh and he i, I think he got it 
But uh, the moral of that story is he's not playing first base if the best first baseman is not my son. And that was it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you fared pretty well there, didn't you? Uh, didn't you guys win a couple games? Or we did win a game, and we were a very small town, mm-hmm. in a bigger baseball community down in Ocean County. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's listening to this, Tom Zerber, everybody knows Tom Zerber. Just they just breed baseball, baseball players. But oh yeah, they won the world, the little little league World Series. I remember. What, what year was that? Ninety eight, ninety eight. Right? Yeah, I, remember, I was. I mean, I was just. I think I came out here in '97, so it was just kind of around that time. It's just what they do. Yeah, it's in the baseball. No, I always coming from Michigan. I always knew, like, I always thought of New Jersey as like baseball players and and football players. Like you would see guys like you know, like these guys are like, you know, you, you know, you didn't really see a lot. Now you see a bunch of hockey players. You know, so like yeah. this area is like, there's a lot of there's a lot of good athletes in this area. Yeah, big all, time. All, all all around, you know. So our to so our team and all stars. I live in a town uh, called Beachwood. Uh, and the first team you you play, if you in, in the first round of All Stars, and, and they'll experience this ten years old, eleven, twelve, is Tom Zerber. So in your first round of the of the All Star tournament, you're going to play a team that's made it to the big show, you know, ten times in the last you know, thirty years. Wow. Uh, so those kids can play, um, but I, I think it's again, it's another great learning experience mm-hmm. for them in failure. And there's a really cool concept in in my town. When you grow up, you go to Tom Zerber schools, and so these kids play against each other when they grow up. Uh, but then when they go to Tom's River South, it's half Tom's River kids, half Beachwood kids. And the Tom's River kids kind of beat the Beachwood kids into a pulp for 10 straight years. But something always happens. If you look at the high school teams of the, uh, the championship teams, and I think we won the state championship at uh, Tom's River South, like 2003, 2004, one in 95, one in 98. They're all half Beachwood, half Tom's River kids. So something happens with that progression of getting beat all the time uh, and, and fighting through it. They have the mental strength by the time they get to high school. And it's such a short window to get it done. Mm-hmm. And these Tom Zerber kids who are more talented from the get-go, better coaching, more kids, the whole nine. When it gets there, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it. But those Beachwood kids somehow figure out how to make that team and they become they become winners. Oh, well, yeah. Eventually. I mean, it's it's a, it's a goal. You know, it's a, it's something to shoot for, mm-hmm. you know, like um... – you know, it's a, you have to, and it's fair. It's like a fair system because if it's not fair, it's not going to be any good. You know, it's just going to, it's not going to be, there's no longevity in that. And you're not going to make it to the, sh- you know, the show like you, what, so you said 10 years. I mean, you're, it's just, it's the way it is, the way it's got to be, you know, mm-hmm. it's truthful, you know, it's truthful. That's good. So, all right. So yeah, we got a, you know, a couple, you know, a couple, que- I sent you over the couple questions and, yep. you know, uh, you know, the second question we have, uh, you know, what, what personal responsibility and leadership does it take to be a be successful in business and in fatherhood? I mean, you got you got a lot on your plate. That you've got this new business, and mm-hmm. you know, um, like, what do you do? Like, might sound cliche, mm-hmm. uh, but just honesty and accountability. If you're going to go into business, um, you need to be careful about how you treat people because mm-hmm. people talk and people are smart. Um, so if you're not honest with your customers in whatever line of work you are, what, what, whatever line of work you're in, people are going to find out real quick. Uh, and then accountability. Are you responsible for the de- decisions you make as a business owner? And, and in my world, as a financial advisor, you, you sure better be. Mm-hmm. You know, people's life savings is, is not not a joke. Um, especially in today's world with all, all the stuff that's going on. Yes, you know? especially in times like this. And you get times like this every 10 years or so uh, when you really got to hunker down and figure out and pay attention to see what's going on. Uh, and if you're trying to balance an erratic government, an erratic economic policy, 
40-year record high inflation, you, you, you better know what you're doing and you better communicate with your clients. Um, but how does that translate to being a father? Being a father, I guess I'm in practice as trying to be figure out how to be the best father. I truly believe that if I'm confident what I do, I tell my kids to be confident in what they do. They could be anything they want in this world. They don't have to be business owners mm-hmm. if, they don't, if they don't want to be. But I, I want them to see that I enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. I want them to see that I love what I do. And I'm confident in what I do. And that's the goal from a father fatherhood standpoint of what I'm trying to embed into them subconsciously. Yeah, like personal leadership. That's it. You know, take I, account, be accountable. You know, be fair. Just because dad's the coach of the all-star team doesn't mean you get to be first base or whatever you want. You got to work for it. You know, it's a, it's a hierarchy. You know, there's a, you, know, you got to earn it. There's a know? process. Yeah. And, and I, I believe I've been doing a good job so far because um, I also, I also believe these kids are replicas of us as fathers. Mm-hmm. And if I'm sitting around blaming other people, you know, for the decisions I made, oh, that's, you know, that's not, that's not my fault. Everything that's bad happened to me and I'm walking around lazy and talking bad about my mm-hmm. job or what I do. I think the kids feel that and kind of start to believe that in, in some different well, way. Well, yeah, well, yeah, why wouldn't they? I mean, like, like we talked about, uh, we well, went to, went to a game over the weekend. It was kind of cool. It was, that was a good time, by the way. And as we were talking, driving there or whatever it was, you know, like I saw something, I, I saw a clip. It was kind of, it's just like, psychiatrist or someone and they said basically they kind of use the analogy of the old um uh ipod right where you're where you're, yeah the ipod where you just listen to music mm-hmm. and basically it's when you're born till you're seven you really have no data at all so you have to download music and this little mm-hmm. thing to listen to it so if you think about that concept you've got a young individual that they're born to their seven, like observing, they're mm-hmm. observing. Yeah. So all the things that you're doing as a father, showing them accountability, they have to work, work through things is just, is just the building blocks for them to, to can continue to move forward in a successful manner and give them the building blocks to work through uh, issues that they may have, or they've tried to do something and it doesn't work out and just keep going with it, you know, because too many people are just, like you said, making excuses, it's not my fault, mm-hmm. or yeah, whatever, but- and, and, and it's kind of like, all you're doing is making excuses, and it's just really a lot of waste of energy. Like, if you take that energy and you put it into actually a plan, well, there could be just a simple discipline plan. You know, I'm not I'm not going to call it an excuse. Yeah, I that- mean, that's a very simple, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to say those words. That could be the first step. I'm not going to think those words. And then, that, I'm, then I'm going to try to do something about it, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, to your point, yeah. that that energy, mm-hmm. it could be transferred if it's good. And I, I think it could be transferred if, if it's bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, to your point, again, that they're little sponges and, you know, for these first few years or, you know, till they're about seven or eight years old. And I've, you know, I've shared this. I've read, you know, some of the same thought processes there. You got to be careful because they don't know how to communicate that stuff with you when they're this young mm-hmm. they communicate so different but they like, communi- what do you mean they communicate by how they smile how they cry how they get upset and they don't know how to talk about it so you have to figure out why they are like that uh and my wife and i have really made a conscious effort to make sure that we are very careful at every single thing we do 
every, even if we get a little upset, we're never going to raise our voices at each other. We don't want our children to believe that that is the slightest piece of how to solve any type of issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, my kids are happy. They're vibrant. I'm their hero, which I think is amazing. Um, this might be a small tidbit, but I dropped my, my kids off at school mm-hmm. uh, just last week. And, and I, I saw one of my kids, my younger one, tap on his best friend and point at me and said, he said, that's my dad. Oh, that's cool. You know? And he was just, you, you, you could see that they are so proud to be my boys. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really good feeling. That's awesome. Really good. Yeah, feeling. that's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Number three, what challenges uh, do you face as a father? Like, you know, I know we can get into it or not, but I know that you dropped your kids off and, and, and you know, they don't, they go to a private school, right? For, for various amount mo- yeah. of reasons. And, um, you know, we've talked about this in depth. I, I think it's, I'm learning about what really the, really what's going on. It's pretty, pretty wild. It's pretty wild. The, the, so the world we live in now, but I'm sorry. To, to, yeah, but just real quick, just to temper my point, you know, the town I grew up and I, and I said this, even when I, when I was going through college and stuff, I, I would talk to, to people and they went to, they had to go to a private school. And I, I just didn't understand that because mm-hmm. my dad was like, Hey, we pay taxes. And my dad, <laughs> but I got lucky because the town I grew up had a, a large tax, ba- tax base from Dow chemical. And we had good public schools. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that in certain communities, unfortunately people have to, some people, if they're fortunate enough, have to go to private school mm-hmm. for various amounts of reasons, you know, family reasons, whatever. And I just think that is, uh, and it seems like from our conversations, just what I see in the media, things are getting acerbated. It's becoming even, even really touchy, you know. But that's just, you know, I don't have any kids in school, so I. I don't, but I, it's pretty serious. It looks pretty serious to me. From, I don't know. From a school standpoint, you could probably do a two-hour podcast on this subject alone. Right. Right. Um, so I'll try to broad stroke. Again, my my kids were going to school in the COVID era, and if you remember, school was shut down. So I had two little kids, and I had a little baby at that time. She was only two. Mm-hmm. So to roll the dice on two years or a year of online learning in the house while I was working full time, and my wife's taking care of a baby, uh, trying to have a child sit down for electronic learning. I mean, I, I my my kids are great kids. They're they're very well behaved kids, but <laughs> some of them still stand up at the dinner table, mm-hmm. like on the table. So, so to to try to think I could school them at home through an iPad, two of them, it was it was just never going to work. But at the same time, I'm also active in the community in the sense that I go all the school board meetings, and I'm not up there with a with a pitchfork screaming. But I sit down and I listen, and I want to know what's in the New Jersey education plan. I want to see what my kids are about to receive and we pay a ton of tax in the state oh yeah a ton of tax so to your point too this it's not like we're we have very little taxes and poor teachers and poor, poor school systems mm-hmm. we have all the money in the world the, the new jersey teachers union is crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. crazy in the sense that they're powerful and they have tons of money and they, they have all the resources to teach our kids what you would think would be the right thing mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of these things that i believe i'll, I'll say this politely if you're believe that that's the right thing for your child to learn about, then send them to public school. And if not, these education plans are made public. The meetings are public. You can go to them. You can listen. 
you can ask questions. And if they're not for you, thankfully, if I have the personal resources to, to keep them in private school, and that's mm. where they go. Now, do I, I never wanted them in private school. I went to public school. I thought it was amazing for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. It was diverse. You were, you were from, from all different aspects of diversity. And even parts of it was unfair, but life is unfair. And I thought my public school journey was a wonderful one, and it brought me to where I am today, and I'm pretty proud of what I've, mm -hmm. I've done today. I don't believe that school is what it was 30 years ago. And then maybe you talk to these older generations where they always say that, but I find some of these topics to be extremely polarizing. We don't have to get into them, mm -hmm. but they're just not for me and my family. Right. And right. now I'm also lucky, again, that I have the resources, but also lucky that in this country and in this state, you have the choice. You have the choice to send them to wherever you want to go. You don't, you're not forced to. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think what's nice about that uh, insight is get involved. Go to the school board meeting. Listen. See if it's right for your family. Mm -hmm. And if it is, great. If it's not, you have the ability to do something else. And do homeschooling. I, I, I did a little bit of research on homeschooling. I mean, that, that's becoming a pretty popular thing. A guy I used to play some hockey with, I think he homeschooled his, uh, his, his, his son. And I haven't talked in a while about that specifically, but I'm starting to realize that there's a lot of that going on as well. You okay. know, because... And I believe college, or you know, I, you know, the reason why I'm doing Bradley Bases is, and you're starting to, is the the you know, I think believe getting a higher, uh, you know, getting a college degree is uh, is becoming that as well too. I don't think it's really worth the money that it. I think there's other ways, and I don't. I just don't. I think education in general, it it's kind of like very old, and 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 it's not. Um, they're not making improvements like in business. Like you would never survive, like how that operates, right. right? You would never survive when your customer, like in the beginning of your our conversation, you know, get focused on your customers and customers' needs, and that transcends off to anything you do, and that should be the same when a student, mm -hmm. you know, like now I'm starting here, you know, I mean, I was obviously I was like a slow reader, but I'm I can really read really good now because I worked at it, you know, and um, but you have like. you're starting to hear people, kids that can't read like that. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, reading, writing and doing math should be the core competencies of a, of a young individual. If you've got those down, then you can say, what am I interested in? I'm just going to go read about it. Mm -hmm. And I know there's this book that I have. I know that'll probably take me a week because I'm proficient at reading, or or there's some math. I'll do the I'll do some calculations, some simple math. You know, I to me that seems pretty easy to do. You know, I don't know why there's all these other things, but again, you know, it's kind of I don't know. School, uh, public school, is. There's a lot of, oh, uh, how do I say this? There's, um, there's a lot of memorization and a lot of obedience. There's not a lot of expressing your interests and in, in moving down that path. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, a quick way to generalize public school. Yeah. Yeah, you can see it, you can see it in business, too. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, that guy Bradley, you know, he beats 
beats to a different drum. Yeah, well, in, in well, the, geez, I don't know. I'm taking over all of New York now, and I'm, you know, it's just never done so much. So I don't know. I guess I do beat to a different drum, like whatever. <laughs> like just because you don't know what you're doing, because they don't have the basics. Wait, Seriously, to, they don't have the basics. Back to business. You know, <laughs> anyway. The private, the private sector is always going to have a little more accountability <laughs> than the public sector. Well, yeah, because you got to make money. You got to be, you it's know, the real world. You got to make, you got to be profitable. You like, can't hide in it. You, it's crazy. People find out quick <laughs> if you know what you're doing or not. Yeah. Yeah, how do you, how do you think fatherhood is evolving today in today's world? All these different issues, you know. Um, it's definitely changing, big time, um, because you, women are, are are making more money than they ever have. They're mm-hmm. in the workforce, um, so so being a father is is changing in so many different ways, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, there is an interesting social aspect about masculinity now and fatherhood. Um, I read a great book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Yeah, I read that book. Oh, it's a great book. Yeah, you turned me on to that book. Yeah. Oh, did, yeah. so you did read it. Yeah, so, I read it, yeah. So there is a... Um, it's 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 well written in the sense that it's not blaming. No one likes to read anything where you have to blame one party. People like to read where you're you're receiving information and you're trying to receive it from a true educational standpoint, where they're not trying to sway a certain topic or view. And I believe that book accomplished that. Um, and when they talk about fatherhood and children, they talk about a real softening of what's going on. And then you do see that. You you do see that. In, in sports, especially, it's kind of frowned upon to raise your voice. It's kind of frowned upon to punish. I'm not saying it's the old days where you could just smack any kid you want across the face. Right. Uh, the, the the progressivism of the of the country in so many different ways is is done very very good. But it talks about that fatherhood in this day and age has has kind of gone maybe a little too far to the softening version of what we're doing to our mm-hmm. our our kids, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think there's different forms of that, like like kind of what you you elegantly described as being a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have um, kind of a system put together and, you know, things aren't knee-jerk and there's a system and it's taught. And, it, it, you know, when you become a coach, I was a hockey coach. I, you know, I, I, I coach a team like before I moved down here and we were like undefeated. So, you know, some kids you have to kind of talk to in front of the group. Other kids you kind of pull to the side oh, yeah. or you talk to them. Everybody's different. You know, you got some guys that are, uh, I had one, one guy, he, you know, I wasn't married at the time and I think he might've thought I w- was something else or something. And he said something to me and I just, you know, we kind of ended that pretty quick mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like, and I kind of did it in front of some, some of the other kids and like, you just don't talk that way. You know, even if someone, cause there could be someone that, you know, could be of that flavor in the locker room and, and that's okay. I mean, whatever. You know, we're here to play hockey and we're here to work as a unit, as a team for mm-hmm. this moment in time. And, you you know, you need to conduct yourself appropriately. And, and, uh, but yeah, so it, I, I, I think there's different ways of that, right? I think it's, um, yeah, I think maybe it just gets too polarizing. It's too far off one way and kind of get more back to center. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying maybe? Or? Maybe I need to do a better job of explaining that. But to your point where you, where you said, you know, the children need to be coached different. One child you might be able to be a little tougher on and one you might, you know, not. I, I have that exact scenario in my home. My older one, you, you almost need to scream at the top of your lungs to get him to listen. And then he will. The other one, if you even go near screaming, he'll shut down. And so you can see that. So there's ways to coach them. 
But from a softening aspect, it seems as though from a fatherhood standpoint, we're all a little afraid to make a mistake. And by being afraid to make a mistake, we're just not taking any risks for what we think is right. Mm-hmm. And by not taking any of those risks or, 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 or doing what we believe in, we're so, I guess, scared as fathers to be looked at as some crazy person. We're kind of just softer. Mm. Perfect example. It just popped into my head. So maybe a little lack of courage to, to, to touch on a, uh, well, like just lack of experience. Like I think kind of what you alluded to a little bit is that, you know, your children are evolving. They're growing every day. Mm-hmm. They're growing. They're changing every day. They're changing everything. It's a moving target, right? And you have to be able to adapt. And that's sometimes tough, right? Right. Is that, you know. Now, uh, I wanted to, I just, something just popped in my head. When you, I've seen other coaches over time see these kids that kind of get hurt on the field and they cry a little. And I've noticed that if you continue down that path of the child crying and you're very soft with that child, are you okay? And then you're using that really nice, warm voice, which is, it's good. You're coming from a good place. The child will continue to cry and continue to believe that they're more hurt. And then sometimes you can go up to that same situation to that child and say, hey, you're fine. Are you okay? Maybe he's a little excited. He's a little worked up. Maybe he's just a little scared. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have to stay that way. Right. And you go, are you okay? I think, and you just tell the kid, you know, I've seen you. You're tough. Are you okay? I'm not saying if, he's, if his arm's broken to tell him he's tough. Right, right. You just get, you know, a little, little knee scrape. I've seen it go two different ways because of the parent, because of the father, the way you handle the situation. Mm-hmm. And that same kid, if the way you handle that situation could cry for the rest of the day or... He could be back playing in 30 seconds. You know, and I think there's a lot of folks and fathers who are nervous to take that initiative to take the tougher mm-hmm. path right now. Because we're, I think we're kind of like coddling our children, helicopter parenting. It's, we're, we're in a smaller world now where your, your child can have a cell phone. You can call them whenever you want. And you can FaceTime the mother that's watching them. You can basically have these kids on video and you can be you know, on the couch watching a football game and just have all your cameras set up and to be watching these kids. They're not getting any free play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of that leads to just a more softer style of parenting. Well, I think in that scenario that you talked about, I think that that's a, you know, I think the child just lacks like a tool at that moment. Like, how do I deal with my emotion? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm having this emotion. How do I deal with it? You yeah. know? And maybe you're an older you're a man. You've got more time underneath your belt. You come in and and you kind of show him how to deal with that. Yeah, and I'm not you know? saying shut up, stop crying. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Right, I'm just yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. just up. yeah, just like you know, say hey, you're you're okay. Like I've seen you. You're fine. Like mm-hmm. you know, you you you've been here before. Mm-hmm. And get get him to realize that yeah, I have been here before. And, you know, coach is right, or my dad is right, or my mom's right, whatever it may be, or my buddy's right. You know, I got I got to rise up. Yeah, you know, I got to get better. Take and, the- and it's okay. It's okay to. I, I think maybe what we're talking about here a little bit is like, like the older generation. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm so tough. I, I'm gonna suffer in silence, right? Yes. You, you, you see that? That's right? too much. Yeah, that's too right. much, right? And then you have the other side where it's, you know, waterfalls, crocodile tears, whatever you want to call. It. And, and then, but you have to learn how to express your feelings, and and a lot of times I I'm. You know, one of the books I read, you know, Ego is the Enemy. That's a Stoic book. I'm bringing some Stoic stuff. And there's a lot of lessons in there. And, and you know, the ego is, the, that's a little bit of the ego. 
and you you should be okay just to say, hey, I, I made a mistake, and you apologize, mm-hmm. and you move on. But for someone to do that, you've got to accept that you got to accept that. So the child that that's there, he's got to accept that he's hurt or he's feeling that way. He's just got to accept it, come up with a solution, and try to get better. Yeah. And maybe it happens again. That's fine. It, maybe it happens three. Maybe it happens ten times. Whatever it may be, that's his process. Like you talk about a process, right? If you keep doing it, you get better at things, right? Or just trying to have that conversation. Like a lot of people don't even want to try. Like just have the conversation. It may or may not go well. But you know, you could get you get better. You get better over time if you continue to do something. Exactly. And know? I think and I think that now that we're still in this, I think it was a it's a good example. In that mm-hmm. case, you can cry. It's okay to cry. It's probably healthy. But understand that it's gonna end. Mm-hmm. Probably five, ten, fifteen seconds. But we as parents can't sell them on staying that way. And then right, the, right. You know, we can't say, oh, you know, are you sure? Do you need to go lay down? Understand that the child needs to lay down because then they're going to believe that they need, need to lay down. Right. When they don't. When they don't. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and there's, you know, sometimes you might get that wrong as a father and coach, but I think the first instinct so much is that real soft mm-hmm. treatment. Some kids need well, tough it's, love. it's a it's a mirror of the it's a mirror of the emotion. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's okay. You can mirror it, and then in the mirror you show direction. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you can mirror it to to show the individual, you know, empathy, mm-hmm. and then you can then you could you can also in that mirror as well show direction mm-hmm. to get away from it. Yeah, or deal with it. I like the way you put that. You know what I'm trying to say. So, you know, you've got to kind of, you know, you can't make them feel. Um, bad about it because they're already feeling bad. It's like don't add frustration to already frustrated situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's one on one. Yeah, you, you it, can't. It's one on one. Like in my job, like you know, like you got like I've said on my first podcast, I think with Red Connors. Like when I first came out here from Michigan, just all these New Yorkers, Jersey people freaking out, uh, screaming and yelling. I was like, what are you screaming and yelling about? Well, you don't know how to do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I kind of do. So just ask me. Yeah. And and that's how everybody behaves with me now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's okay. And now, you know, my company's so big, we have so many different things that we're doing. I mean, that's my job to figure out how to do all this stuff and bring it to market and close the deal and make some money. And and I bring them along. I need their help as well, just like them. And then you know, so it, it all works out. But you know, it starts with empathy. You know, you mm-hmm. can't, you know, you can't make somebody feel. Uh, yeah, and that's that's what's concerning to me about like school. Like, oh, if you don't get the grade point, or where did you go, or all this other kind of thing. And you know, it's to me, it's this intellectual bigotry that's going on. Well, you know, I'm going to teach this subject. Well, that doesn't really. Where's the connection to the real life? What's the end goal? I mean, getting educated is just a step to a step. It's just, you know, but the kid can't read. Mm-hmm. And he can't do basic math, mm-hmm. and he can't write. You do Come on. Like, come on, like I, like that's just basic. You got to learn how to do all that stuff, right? And you got to do it proficiently, right? It does, it, and it just gets more in business. Like that's you, you got to learn how to write. Mm-hmm. Foundation. Yeah, I mean, I always talked well, but I, you know, I really had to learn how to write better. You yeah, know? and I still learn. I, you know, I learn how to do that better every day, and you do that by reading. Mm-hmm. You know, so I read, you know, all the time, and you know. Anyways, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time. There's, we're living in an inflection point. Mm-hmm. I think there's an op- I think there's a huge opportunity. Yeah. For 
for your generation as a father, for your children and everybody. I think it's a huge opportunity that where it, it's what's going on isn't it's it's getting tethered and it's is changing. I believe you, know, you. And, and and in my little world, what I what I could say is that I'm kind of the outcast or outlier in the way that I coach. And I'm a little tougher. And I'm not a tyrant out there. Because you can, you can get a kid to shut down real quick if you're too tough. He'll never play a sport for the rest of his life. So I'm very careful about that. Oh, I watched you, Coach. I, I watched that game. And, and there was a moment where you just talk, you talk to the kids like like adults, mm-hmm. like on the level. And they they like, yep, yep, yep. And they got back into it. You know, I think your son got, you know, your son got took a pretty good wallop in the side. He sucked it up. And I think he ended up scoring that goal or whatever. But yep. there's another kid, too. Um yeah, it, yeah, you you got you did a real good job. So so, but I, I think that the parents have communicated with me that they like it so much, and that my team is overloaded with with kids that try out for it. Um, so I, I believe that even though I'm an outcast and I'm, I'm an outlier, I, I think that's what people want. And the, and the parents are very. Well, why very do you happy. consider yourself an outlier? What is it? Where is that thought coming from? Is that just how you feel about yourself, or someone call you an outlier? Well, no. When I when I I, I do go to the, the, the Beachwood soccer meetings too, and I do I go to the baseball meetings, and I talk to the board, and I, I know the other coaches, and I hear about their struggles and what the kids are doing and not doing, and I I just know that I have a very different style of coaching. Yeah. Well, right there. I mean, if that's what they're saying. The kids yeah. are not doing it. They're not doing it. That's the problem. What's the team not doing? Yeah. It's a team sport, dude. So. Or you got to make it all work. Yeah. They're... You know what I'm saying? You got to make it all work. Yeah. So so when I look at the feedback, the children, uh, in coordination with the, with the parents are saying to me directly, mm-hmm. uh, and every now and then I get a really good compliment, um, I, I believe that I'm doing the right thing. The kids love it. And I'm also very different, but I don't think there's any crazy secret sauce to what I'm doing. Uh, just confidence, accountability, play hard. Yeah, well, you played D1 soccer, play fair. right? You played, I did. Yeah, so play fair. Yeah. You're not going to lay on the ground crying in D1 soccer. <laughs> <laughs> well, some soccer players like to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but, but little things, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, the kids are told, do not yell at those umpires do not yell at the refs that is not what we do here do not mess around with those other kids if you get fouled you don't feed into it you fight through it mm-hmm. things like that and it just gets them to the next step you'll never see one of my kids waste three seconds on the field which is all it, mm-hmm. all, it can, all, all it takes to to have a turn of events and win an entire game sitting down yelling at my own coach or referee yelling he fouled me the whistle blows or it doesn't mm-hmm. you play till it does you know, and you then gotta you, get, finish, you gotta finish the game. Then you get respect out of the refs out of that too. Oh yeah, you got you got to finish the game. I mean, it's uh, there's a psychology to that too. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I still play men's league hockey, and you know, there some refs are playing a game, and you know, the neutral zone like nothing. Neutral zone is between the two blue lines, so there's like guy calls a high stick with like five seconds left to go in this game. They, then that forces the face face off in our in our defensive uh-huh. zone. It's like I'm like. What are you doing, man? <laughs> well, I mean, this and he, he just, this ref really lost it, and a lot of guys were chirping him and saying stuff. And and um, but to your point, like they they were a little out of line, but but it, but it was uh, yeah. It, it I just talked to it like like I just talked to it like the game. I said it's in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Like I just, but I'm you know he didn't he I he didn't kick me out. He kicked a bunch of other guys. Out. 
but it was just it was uh yeah it was just kind of a it wasn't a really a penalty even if it even if it wasn't the neutral it wasn't a high stick it wasn't over his it wasn't over his shoulders well, see, see. and there was like nobody around like it's one, like you know in hockey like if it, it you're not going to get kicked off of a junior a hockey team if you take a penalty a scoring penalty like guy's going to score a goal and you you play him hard and you happen to get a penalty then that that that's kind of justified because it, it's around the net. There's mm-hmm. a potential score, but it's just. Uh, but yeah, to your point, you have to you have to work through it. You, you know? work through it. Yeah, you got to work through it. God forbid you, you get fouled outside the box. It was a bad call. Let's say it was, and you're you're sitting there yelling and screaming. The other team's going to take advantage before you set up your wall. That's going to pump one in the back of the net. Now that pump one in the back of the net is because you didn't handle the mm-hmm. bad call properly. Mm-hmm. And that's life. You're gonna get a bad call here and there. Well, it goes back to the child that's laying on the ground, you know, crying. You got to work through it because you got to win the game, and you got it. You can't be chirping the ref, and you, you got to take that energy and you got to you got to stay focused, you know, because you got to win the game. Yeah, you know. And, and then when when I've seen guys that have really really mad skill on the ice, but they can't keep their stuff together. Yeah. And come from Michigan when I played, it's like you can't take penalties. Like you're not gonna make a team. Like mm-hmm. that's just how it was. I mean. I you know, but there's a lot of like sick hockey players in this, you know, like the Cliftons and just a lot of guys. Just, yeah, you know, they really they really went further than you know nowhere. Uh, it was nowhere near that level. What I bring to my life and I bring to when I still play men's league is just that kind of level of professionalism, and that's professionalism. Mm-hmm. You know, so what you're teaching a kid at a young age is how to be a professional. It, it goes such a long way, mm-hmm. and the kids don't realize those little things at this age. But what does happen is you make less mistakes. And you have more wins. And even though there's this whole you can't keep scoring and blah, 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 blah. The kids know and the parents know for sure. They keep they keep track big time. And then the next thing you know, you're two years in. And I, I could probably say we've lost one game in four years. But all these tiny little things, it builds that confidence. They love mm-hmm. coming back. They love to win. And if you have these little mistakes here and there, you could lose one game here or there. It kind of could set the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So those little tiny things where you don't make those little tiny mistakes by doing the right thing, you create a bigger feeling for these children that they don't even know why they're experiencing it, but they do. Well, yeah, I mean, they'll look back on it. Is what yeah, I'm it's getting downloaded, you know, it's getting downloaded. There you go. You know, that's it's, perfect. And it's getting downloaded, you know. It's getting downloaded. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So what work and resources do you use to improve your parenting skills? Do you, you know, do you consult with other parents? Uh, do you read books? Uh, I know, I know you shared, uh, I, I've got on the Bradley Basics read list that uh, your, your wife's got a uh, kind of a more of a teaching young people how to think. I think it's, I haven't got the book yet, but I'm planning on reading that. Yeah. I think that's like, I think if you have the basics, reading, writing, and math, mm-hmm. the next, like I said, we're at an inflection point, I believe that, now, with all the access to resources being so easy to get, you know, and you know, I make a joke, you know, the the phone, and instead of putting something on social media, look at me, I got my shirt off, I'm drinking a beer. You're actually using that thing as a tool to to gain gain knowledge and information, and you could we have an opportunity, I think, to really you know juice up the next uh, next generation. I mean, what do you think about that? Resources, I mean. I'm pretty passionate about this one. You have to be so lazy as a parent now to to say whatever problems you have as a parent are not your fault. An iPhone, a computer, my God. You can get 
anything you want within seconds on that thing. The problem is, is that people do get hung up in their own ways of thinking. And then there is an algorithm and a technology behind that that kind of funnels and keeps showing you the same information that you want to hear, like a drug, Mm -hmm. instead of the information that you need to hear. Mm -hmm. But all you have to do is punch right into Google or anything, differentiating opinions, because if you just keep swallowing the same thing, you're going to go down a bad path. Mm -hmm. But it's simple. If you have a problem with your child, uh, whether it's a health problem, whatever the problem is, just go Google the causes of it, and then Google people that disagree with it, and then make a simple decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that simple resource, an iPhone, which is just an unlimited amount of information, people to follow, doctors, uh, people with children that have done so well, or even just looking at different countries of the problems those children have versus the problems that our children have. I mean, health is insane in this country. Mm-hmm. You and I talked the other night about that the mortality rates in the United States is, is laughable. The fact that there's 40 other countries out there that keep child children alive longer than the United States is mind-boggling to me when mm-hmm. I ran into that. So it's up to you as a parent to figure out why Yeah. and to not be part I think, of that. Yeah, I think that, that therein lies the trick. So you go back to like, you know, like, you know, you're, you're like an outlier. I think, I, I think you may feel that way because you're actually just doing the right thing. Everybody else just needs to step up and start doing some work. You, just, you, know, you got to take ownership. People don't want to. People don't want to ask questions because if you don't ask questions, you say, "Oh, the doctors, that's what they told me to do," and then you got a problem. Well, that's what the doctor told me to do. Mm-hmm. And for me and my wife, like a personal responsibility, right there. I, we're not gonna. We're not gonna say that's. You know, if I have X, Y, Z. I'm not just gonna. Well, they told me to do that. Now, I'm not judging, and don't get me wrong. Me too. I'm not. Me ju- too. I'm not. Ju- I'm not here to judge. That's not what I'm trying to do. But, you know, take ownership. You know that that's a, that's a level of maturity. Taking ownership, it's no different than the child, you know, who's having an issue, you know, on the field. You know, he needs to learn how to take ownership of that yeah. emotion, and he learns how to, needs to learn how to deal with it. And, you know, and and that's what needs to happen. I, I, these these poor kids, they, there's a lot of obstacles they have to go mm-hmm. through. They have a lot more. I think it was much easier from our generation to grow up without the tiny world that we live in, with social media and the pressures of being a child and all these health was huge for, for my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much that you have to kind of dip and dodge around. So it's not easy. Uh, you know, we've done real, real work, but it is easy if you want to do the work. You know what I'm saying? The work is a lot, but finding out the right thing to do is mm-hmm. easy. How about that? Um, because I don't think these solutions were difficult to find. It just took a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to be too lazy. But some of the topics for us was these just childhood allergies, sudden infant death syndrome, child mortality, how sick these kids are, how, how compromised their immune systems are. Uh, I, I remember even being a young ice cream salesman. And that was my first job. It was a great job. And I would sell ice cream on the beach. And then all of a sudden, one year, all these parents kept reading labels and labels and labels. And they couldn't have this. And they couldn't have that. I'm like, what's in that? I'm like, I don't know. None of us knew what we were yeah. back then. No, I don't know. It's a it's a candy bar. What are you talking about? Yeah, you're just trying to get it to the customers before it melts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what you're trying to do, right? So so there was an explosion of food allergies. Mm-hmm. And children's immune systems in our country 
are compromised to an unbelievable, just detrimental level. Um, so my wife and I said, you know, well, let's, let's listen to all these pediatricians. We went through five pediatricians. The first four said the same thing. And we weren't asking difficult questions. I'm not getting down into, you know, mm -hmm. reading DNA charts or whatever. I don't know how to do that, but I know how to ask a question. Right. And I would ask, well, how many of your uh, children have autoimmune issues? How many uh, in your practice? How many children do you have? 500,000 kids. And how many of them have this? And how many of them have that? And their their statistics were just through the roof with everything. Hmm. One out of twenty, one out of ten, one out of two will have an uh, autoimmune issue soon. What's but an autoimmune issue? What is that? When when your body can't accept or has some sort of allergy, like whether it's eczema or a peanut allergy oh, yeah. or rashes or just when 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 the body can't solve some sort of invader into hmm. your body, and our immune systems as children now can't fight it like they used to. You know, that, so you, you go to a birthday party when you're a kid. I mean, every single parent, we all, we're all so good at it now. Which kid has this? Which kid can't have that? Which kid can have this? Ten parents have EpiPens on them. Hmm. You know, so-and-so can't. It, it, it's incredible. The medications that they're on, ADHD, blah, 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 breathing issues that lead to this, that, the other thing. ADHD, day. what's that? I mean, attention deficit disorder. Well, I probably have that. I mean, I have that right now, like, you know. I think I have to have it for my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, but I don't know about you, but you know, medicating you know five year olds is, is pretty fashionable right now. Really? So, wow. it there's there's all these these things that children are going through, uh, and then I, it was simple for us. We just said to doctors that have really healthy practices, well, what are you doing? And we couldn't believe the feedback we were getting that your typical pediatrician practice. There's many different ways to handle child's health. So we started to just look at some alternative ways to produce a healthy, happy, vibrant mm -hmm. child. Um, and it, it, it wasn't something we invented. A lot of the things that we, we follow are just different from how the United States does it. Yeah. Well, because you did the work, you know, and you figured it out. And and, and it's it, the goal is to, um, you know, have a... Excuse me. Yep. <laughs> Find some allergies. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Auto autoimmune disorder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but that, yeah, I think that I think that's the theme here. Is you got to do the work, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you you got to do the work, and there's a lot of resources out there, and you've got to look at both sides of, of the issue, right? Yeah. And and just don't take the party line. That's easy to do. Mm -hmm. That's just lazy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's um, yeah, that's just a lazy mindset. Oh yeah, you know it it. Yeah, I I it's. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, it sounds like you're managing it real well, you and your wife. So just too much information at your fingertips mm -hmm. to not to not try. And, it, and it's your to not try. And it's your family. To okay, that's your family, and it's what you guys are doing, and that and that, and everybody has that right. Yeah. You know, to do what they feel is right. If they don't want to do the work, then so be it. Mm -hmm. But just you know, where I'm where I'm starting to see a little, I don't know if they're you see other people trying to push things on other people. Like time out. You know, that's okay. Like, do what you got to do. I'm going to do what I got to do. Like, mm -hmm. this—that's that, not really, you know. I think it's cool what you're saying, you know. And and you got to defend yourself, and that—that mm -hmm. that takes energy, and it—you you shouldn't have to do that. People shouldn't—you shouldn't be doing that to anybody, for that matter. In my book, oh, yeah. know, it's easier said than done, but that's something I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Like your buddy said, oh, what you know? Like we were playing golf. He's like, well, you know, what keeps you up at night? And I said, me pu pushing my things on people. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Keeps me up at night. That's not what I'm trying to do with Bradley Basic. I'm just trying to have conversations, talk about concepts, solutions, and yeah, you know, I'm an engineer, so I, that's why I think you know solving problems. You know, 
you know, there's all sorts of problems, you know, you know, and a problem isn't necessarily like bad. It's just, maybe it's an improvement mm-hmm. on something, you know, like I'm not saying, Hey, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater with the educational system, but, but it needs to be improved. Sure. There's gotta be some, like, what are we doing here? Like, wh- how are we evolving? You know, like what are, how are you making things quicker? Like I, why is it that people have to go and spend all this money to get a four year degree? Why can't you do that in two? Mm-hmm. You know what you're like. I've said with my podcast with Greg Collins, first one I did. I, you know, I, I believe that these these colleges are on a party train, and it's and it's crashing because they seem to think they can continue just to raise rates and charge people money, and it's just that's that's not a part of that's not that's not what that should be. It should be there. Let's get people prepared to take our society to the next level. Like let's let's make sure they're financially solvent. They can buy a home. They can have a family, like mm-hmm. like you're talking here, and, and that's becoming out of grip for certain people. Because of, to me, I think there's a huge opportunity to do something different, just to make it more efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, just make it more efficient, make it less time. And unfortunately, stuff I'm starting to read a little bit. Um, companies are starting to realize, hey, I don't think I want to hire that guy that's got that college degree. Yep. I think I want to start my own training program. Mm-hmm. I just want to get someone with good character. It's going to show up on time. Wants to work. Wants to learn. It's got a good attitude. Knows how it works. And was you know is coachable. And um, some of the best people I work with. You know. Now I you know wouldn't say that they have I don't know whatever. A couple of years of college or whatever, but top shelf. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, because to me, it's the job. You're at the job. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's that's it, right? Get a job, get paid, have money to start a family, do what you got to do. One, right? one would think if you're in the private sector and you're looking to hire somebody uh, and that person's bringing no experience, $300,000 of college debt, that, that, that sounds to me like a person that might be a problem for me in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone eager, younger, ready to learn, ready to go into a training program. Uh, with no debt and to just show up with some just ready to go. I mean, that, that to me, that I'd probably choose that candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the private sector is going to turn the tables because they have to face shareholders. They have to face profitability. It's not a joke to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's going to come bail them out. Well, I guess well, that's not entirely true. That happens every once in a while during massively crazy times. Um, but to small yeah, business owners, that's yeah, the Fed with $9 trillion on the balance sheet. Ugh. Oh, my God. But, but, so that's another that's an eight hour podcast yeah know. anyways <laughs> so. but yeah it, it, there's a college is it's it's a vacation now lsu needed a 90 million dollar lazy river for for children to to float around in i mean if you look at these uh campuses they're they look like resorts and then they're and they're paying for them because they're like resorts uh and are they getting the education some of them are are, are all of them that that's another podcast. I think a lot of them are. Oh no, no, they're not. They're not. That, that, that. Yeah, that. You know, they're not. And and I, and I think, you know, like again, it's just my theory, or I don't know, my thought. You know, I just share thoughts. That, yeah, sir. Wondering why people are certain ways, and I, I, and it goes back to, you know, keep using the kid on the, on the soccer field. <laughs> it's an example. Like, be accountable for your what you did. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't you understand? Okay, I guess you didn't understand basic math. Adding is subtracting, and and then there's a cop. Well, I don't understand math. You hear that, right? I don't understand math. You don't understand one plus one equals two, because hmm. that's all this college. That's all. That's what that is. 
You know, like you gotta, and and then you did the math. How long is that going to pay? Did you ever think you had to pay that back? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, for, and it's like be accountable. You're you're on the hook for whatever reason. the The cost of college is the last item on the list of selecting a college. In my experience, the way I talk to people in my profession, for whatever reason, no one cares about the cost. They're so hell bent on getting a degree, and that'll be something to worry about later. I I don't know how that became so. I don't know why. It's getting talked to them. Like yeah, like it, it, it to to um uh, support that thought. When I when I talk to some younger people about oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then when you say, "Well, hey, by the way, did you know?" And and all they're focusing on is like you said, the college. They're not thinking about a job. They're not thinking about okay, what do I want to what do I want to do for work? Like, what do I want to do? Do I want to be a do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be an engineer? Do I want to be a financial planner? Do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to what do I want to be? Oh, well, yeah, I want to be that, but boy, I don't need that. And and then and then put the resources in behind that to and 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 have that be the goal when you have time to sit there and figure that out and try and say, well, yeah, I want to be this and then give it a shot. Maybe go shadow somebody, go get mentored, go check out the job. Man, I really, I, th- I didn't know that that was that job. I, I really don't want to do that, but I might want to do that. Like what's happening is they all of a sudden they, people get out of college or whatever. They don't even know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got this huge note that they got to start paying back. And it's even the ones they're that, in trouble. Even the ones that do know what they want to do mm-hmm. are in trouble. Let alone, I mean, if I was king of making the rules of of how to charge a seventeen year old kid who wants to become a teacher, the one one of the rules would be you're not allowed to charge this child that much money to go to college. Right, right. I mean, if you look at the demographics of every single nook and cranny of the United States of what teachers are getting as a starting salary, it's a pretty narrow range. There's no teacher. In the United States, it gets their first job teaching second grade for $150,000 a year. Right. But you will get an education that requires that income to pay it back. I mean, sticking a 18-year-old kid with a $200,000 education when they told you they want to be a teacher, I, I believe that's just outright theft. Yeah, it's criminal. That is theft. It's criminal. Straight up criminal. And to do it to our teachers, those mm-hmm. that, who give up uh, a life of a lavish lifestyle to cheat, to, to, to educate our children mm-hmm. and then to, to do that with them. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. That, that therein lies, therein lies the inflection point. Like it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean that, you know, I've talked to you about this, but that, you know, I would love to ha- create a, create a system. Maybe it's just advisory. Maybe it's just linking some things together from the initial. And then maybe it's taking something to the next level. You know, you, you see, you see a lot of like, you know, it's the, to me, it, it, you know, we we know how to monetize it, but you know, to me, it's a it's a one point seven trillion dollar opportunity to do something different. Yeah, that you could that's like shoot fish in a barrel in, in a sales world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so anyways, all right, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, last and final question. You know, what what comments or advice do you have for future fathers and parents? Oh, you know, someone that maybe, yeah, you know, they're looking to get married and start a family and. That type of thing. Be prepared to make your own decisions, uh, and and be prepared that I that 
like I guess everything that we've been talking about this whole podcast, mm-hmm. get ready to to run into some issues that you might have not been aware of, um, and learn quick and try. You have to, because if you're just gonna throw your kid out to the way we do things now, there's an absolute ton of obstacles that are gonna mm-hmm. stop that child from becoming the person that I, I believe every parent wants their child to be. Yeah, truly. And there's ways around it, but it, there's a lot of influence now in children's lives. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Um, the world is it's changing fast. So you have to, it's, I, I just have to believe, again, it's, it may be arrogant for me to say, but I have to believe parenting was not this hard as it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I think when the world was a little simpler and a little safer. Yeah, well... Like we just have too many problems with these poor kids. Well, right there's now. just a lot of resources, and and that has to be managed. And, and, and there it, has to be ethics involved with that, you know. And and, and like we've talked about, like uh, from my previous podcast, you know, you know, civilizations go through like four stages, you know, you know productivity, uh, prosperous, uh, promiscuous, and then pain. Yeah. So I think we're kind of in this promiscuous slash pain area, where you, yeah, you know, some people have mismanaged. The, the mass resources that we have mm-hmm. and they're they're paying for it there's mm-hmm. other people going yeah i could go there too but i'm gonna do this i'm mm-hmm. gonna take you know i'm gonna take the harder road you know i'm gonna be responsible i'm gonna look at both sides of the issue i'm gonna do the work right i'm gonna make the appointments i'm gonna go to the school board i'm gonna do this i'm gonna i'm gonna, so i can make a, a, an educated the most accurate decision i can make mm-hmm. and i'm gonna continue to move forward in, in a positive direction that takes work mm-hmm. you know um but if you're in this kind of pleasure, prosperous mindset all the time, and you know that that's what you're used to, and then you have to go and you have to work, therein lies the pain, because you never really did it, right? Yeah, big time. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know that, and then and then we look at the work world, and that's kind of what I'm studying a little bit too. Is like I look, there's you know we're like the third generation of the work world, like my my parents and. You know, they're my. I think my parents are in there. My mom turned seventy-seven. My dad turned seventy-six. They retired like my dad retired when he was like fifty-eight. So you know, they're doing really well. But back, my dad was, you, you know, like there's a lot of loyalty, and it could have been perceived loyalty because there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm in from you know, and so I and so it was just kind of survival that when you worked. My generation, you know, I've got twenty-five years. You know, it's increasing in the standard of living. Mm-hmm. And then now we're in a third generation where it's the quality of the work. Mm-hmm. And therein lies a mass opportunity mm-hmm. to be who you want to be. They didn't have social media back then. They didn't have an iPhone. But it's it's just that people aren't using it properly. Like you could you could use the iPhones and the podcasts and all those different things to educate yourself. Oh, my God. How could you, so there's why enough time would, in a day to listen to these folks. Why why would you why would you have to go to college? Why would you have to spend $150,000, $200,000? What because because that's what your parents want you to do. It, it, what 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 what's you know but yet you're in debt. Mm-hmm. You have a negative net worth, okay? You're poor. Yeah. Okay, do you understand that? When you when you have debt, you're poor. It's worse than poverty, okay? You are poor, okay? I don't care if you went to Harvard or Yale or whatever the hell you went, you're poor. All right? That's reality. That's it. And so why do that? You don't have to. You're a smart person. 4.8, whatever. 
all these SAT scores, whatever. That's great. That's great work. You bust your ass. You get to do well on tests, whatever. Don't, don't just don't throw that away. Yeah. Just don't throw that away on. Oh, I'm just doing that because Johnny wants to do it. Or be figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Take take a deep breath. You're 17 years old, 18 years old, whatever it may be. You're young. You're rich in time. You know, I'm 51. What are you? What are you? 30 something? What? How old are you? 37. 37. You're rich in time, dude. Like in 13 years or 14 years, you're gonna you're gonna be as old as I am as we're talking right now. I, I say that to young kids all the time. Like, what? It, you're so rich in time. You oh, just yeah. make the right decisions, you know? Look at me. I'm doing this podcast thing. Like, I'm Bradley Basics. What is that? What are you doing, Bradley? Everyone's like, what are you doing? And then they start realizing what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. You yeah. know, I'm not charging anybody for this stuff. I don't need to make any money. I, I, I enjoy doing it. It forces me to read more. It forces me to educate more. It forces me to pay attention to, to things, to information. Instead of going out and getting gooned up at the bar and doing all these dumb things and, mm-hmm. and, and being, a you know, and, and just getting more mature myself. Anyways, you know. It, it's what these types of things is what makes me personally happy, like you and Bradley Basics and yeah. volunteer coaching. It's not like I'm getting paid for this sort yeah. of thing, but it makes me feel very good that the world that we live in today, I can touch 30, 40 kids' lives. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a positive influence on them and my own children, mm-hmm. and that that is my legacy, that my name will go on, and some of these kids will remember a good coach and they'll use some of the tools that I gave them to mm-hmm. create their own life and, and be happy. And in combination that this, this college thing that keeps coming up with, I'll, I'll tell you firsthand, I will not give my kids a quarter million dollars of debt. I will not let them right to start their adulthood to, to the amount of 18 year olds that come into this world. And the first major decision they do is to set themselves backwards, like you said, worse mm-hmm. than being poor, is one of the most criminal things anybody could do to a child. Yeah, and I and then you could go down this road too. And statistically speaking, when you look at the health of young men, alcohol and drug abuse, mm-hmm. addiction, it 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 oddly, or maybe it might make sense. It follows charts of unemployment and economic charts to a T. Mm-hmm. You have debt and no job. Alcohol abuse goes through the roof. Sure, you know what I'm saying. It is just it's a it's a hopeless you're, when you're, situation. You're 22 years old. You're still a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I'm 37. I, I think I'm, I'm I'm still learning so much. I really truly believe that. Even though I know I've done well and I know I know a lot and I'm a sponge for information personally, mm-hmm. but to do that to a child to to have to overcome that, be a man, then go get a girlfriend and then be good looking and then buy a home. And now that rates have gone through the roof on top of the valuations going through the roof, mm-hmm. and then couple, you know, where we live in this demographic, a, a 2,000 square foot house is $450,000 on top of a $200,000 mm-hmm. uh, debt you have to pay for school. Yeah, in Michigan, that's probably like 80 grand. And, and you're in an average degree, right, right on here, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're hoping to, to get a $70,000 a year job. You need two more jobs to pay for the to pay for what I just listed. Right. You know, I mean, the American dream at this point might be a little further from reality than it ever was because of the cost of it. Mm-hmm. So, do, to as a father, do think I'm going to let my kids start their adulthood off like that? There's, there's no way. No. That no. doesn't mean they won't go to college, but we'll find an effective way to do it, or we'll find a different solution. Well, like I, like I went to community college for two years. Best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did for myself. Yeah. You know, I, I went to, you know, I was in a smaller 
smaller class. I took all my prereqs for engineering. I transferred right into Michigan State. I had to take one other. I had to take differential equations and something else. And, you know, I got done with an engineering degree, and I, I had guys come up to me when I was living in Jersey. Like, they want to become engineers. I'm like, well, how'd, how'd you get through the math? So much community college. Yeah. I couldn't get through the math. I said, let me ask you a question. How big was your math class? Oh, a lot of people. I said, you probably had a grad student teaching you, right? He's like, yeah, probably foreign grad school, right? Had a hard time understanding what he was saying, right? Yeah. So there was an opportunity for an individual that wanted to become an engineer, and because of the structure that he had to be in, it, it didn't happen because of the poor instruction. The, okay, so, like, do yourself a favor. And we talk about intellectual bigotry, right? Like, like you know, I think I told you this, but I haven't said it on my podcast yet. I, when I was at Michigan State, I was going to, I was still living on campus. I was going to community college. There were some people from uh, my hometown. And I worked at this spot. And I was like, I would talk with this guy, just like you and I talk, you know, like just talking to him. And once I, I divulged that I went to Lions Community College, he literally never talked to me again. Think about this thing. And about- he would come in there and he would just wouldn't talk to me. And it was like, I, I, I understand it now. I mean, I was like, you know, it's like, like you said, as a young guy, whatever, in my twenties, whatever it was, I, I'm like, okay, like I, I was at a job, so I wasn't going to cause a stink. I wasn't going to be weird about it, you know. But I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Think so, anyways. If you think about, if you think about the purpose of a parent that chooses to put their child in a private school versus public school, one of the things you'll hear these parents say is classroom size and the amount of teachers the attention that each child gets. The private school thought process is, I'm going to make sure this child learns. We're not just going to push him through. We're going to get them to learn. We're going to spend the extra time, and we're going to take your, your investment seriously, Mr. and Mrs. Parent. Mm-hmm. And classroom size is number one. Community colleges are pretty small classroom sizes. Oh, yeah. They're just like high school. They're so, great. So think about your friend, the, his thought process, and how I, I hate using the word brainwash, but I can't f- figure anything else out right now. Uh, what type of education are you going to receive if you go to one of these gigantic schools and 400? Have you seen these classrooms at these, these larger schools? There's 400 kids in them. They, they oh, look yeah. like stadiums. And oh, then that's, oh, oh, yeah. I was in an organic chemistry class. Yeah, probably half those kids mm-hmm. that want to ask questions are afraid to even ask a question. Oh, you have to stand up. It's like doing a presentation in front of like you know 600 people and then there's some hot girl a couple seats away from you. you're like uh you know and you, you don't say anything so for, and it's for not, it's not good so how is that concept wh- wh- how do we get so far away from that and it and then if that person would probably agree with me if i talked to him about private school and then he'd ask him that question about you know looking down a community school and looking at the level of education you get i mean classroom size again is the number one topic when these parents are hunting for for private school because of the level of care that mm-hmm. the teacher's going to take individually in that child. I mean, how can one person teach 500 kids? <laughs> you you can't. <laughs> it's just at once, I mean, at once. You you can't. It's just it's just the they don't care. Pretty good business model though if you're a school. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, look at the the return on investment there. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Common funds. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah. A lot of money. Just ridiculous. So, all right, Paul, well that was a good podcast. Um Hey, everybody, like always, I hey, appreciate your time and, and um, you know, I appreciate your support out there. I mean, I've got this new stat thing. I've got people over in France and Germany and <laughs> Korea, Russia, a bunch of people in California listen to my podcast now, Arizona. So, That's hey, great. I appreciate all the support and uh, we're just going to keep it going. 
Yeah, I love talking to you, Sean. Yeah, no problem, buddy. And then, uh, yeah, so look it out for the next one. I think uh, next one, this is uh, number 29. Uh, the next one will be number 30. That'll be like the end of like you know season two. I'm going to put together a solo podcast, start talking about some things, and um, see how it goes. And um, hopefully uh, that'll, that'll be enjoyable as well. So, all right, like always at Bradley Basics, appreciate your time and, and enjoy the day. Thank you, Sean. You too. Yeah, take care. All right, bye, ball.